Welcome to Lockdown Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Buffalo Trace Distillery. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. Uh, on this show, we're gonna we're gonna. I guess it's a it's a post game pod, but I think we might get off on a couple tangents. So be forewarned. Uh, Kentucky defeated Vanderbilt tonight. Uh, we're here in Rupp Arena late on Saturday evening. Probably by the time we we'll finish recording this, it'll technically be Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about all the key players uh, and all the key injuries that happened in this game, and then at the end, we're gonna have a little fun football note that that Kyle really enjoyed when he saw on Twitter. Uh, I guess we'll start with some injury updates, Kyle. Ashton Haggins is okay. His back is okay. No. His butt bone. His butt bone. And <laughs> Kellen Johnson's front is apparently okay. Is nuts, as uh, Ashton Haggins just bluntly put it. He was asked about his teammate who went down. Kellen Johnson went down and the... A familiar pose of someone who's been decked below the belt and then waddled off in one of the funniest-looking exits of the court I've ever seen. It is like knees tucked together and just sort of waddled off the court, and he got a pat on the head from Kenny Payne, who was, like, you know, clearly empathizing. And afterwards, Ashton Higgins was asked about Keldon Johnson's injury, as it were, and he said, Keldon said, my nuts! <laughs> and that's when we knew he was going to be okay. We'll have that full uh, that audio at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that because Kyle was there and was rolling on it. Uh, but Hankins is back. I thought uh, was very concerning when he first went down. It looked pretty serious because anytime you grab your back, it's one of those deals where you're like, you know, that's a, that's a bad area because if you get an injury there, it can linger and those kind of things. Uh, but he got up. He went to the bench, and I, I don't know what what they rubbed on him. I'm guessing Ben Ben Gay type cream that loosens you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we talked to Ashton after the game, he said he was fine. And actually, uh, he was confused when I asked him what if he was okay. He was just like, "What do you mean? I'm fine." Yeah, yeah. He just said he just hurt his butt bone a little bit. I don't his think that's bone. the the medical term. Uh, I think it might be tailbone. I tailbone guess. probably is normal. Look nomen- bad. I mean, that nomenclature. That place went quiet. You know yeah, when he. Went down. He was in a lot of pain. Stayed down for a while. Trainers were working on him for a while. But he went right back in the game. Uh, another really good game for him. Too many turnovers, and he's he talked a little bit about it. He had five turnovers tonight, and he's had some games where he's had a bunch of those. Sometimes he kind of gets in the air, gets committed, and doesn't really know where he's going with the ball, and then it just kind of comes out as a sloppy pass. Um, but he ended up with 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, and three more steals. 22 steals in the last five games. Pretty good. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, his fellow point guard, and I thought this was a good point that you, you brought up to Emmanuel quickly in the postgame interviews. Those two guys have played really well uh, together. And an interesting note is quickly told us that they don't play together in practice. So when they're on the court together in a game, that's kind of just them Kind of natural basketball. freestyling. Yeah, he said that's a credit to us as hoopers that we can get out there and play. <laughs> that's a pretty but good yeah. quote. 28 points between them last game, 27 points between them this game, um, 55 points in two games for them. Obviously, that's by far their best combined 
back to back performances. And when you think about, like, do I think they could beat Duke tomorrow? Probably not. But if I if they played Duke tomorrow, would it be a much different game because of the point guard position? Almost exclusively, yes, because they had basically no point guard. Mm-hmm. They didn't know exactly. I think people thought Ashton Hagens might start up until all of a sudden Emmanuel quickly started that opener, and neither one of them played well. And Hagens was not playing defense at all like he is now, uh, and neither one of them was an offensive threat. You know, Emmanuel quickly started the season four out of eighteen from three, and now I think he's what he he's three for seven today. So he that makes him uh, eleven of twenty two, so fifty percent over the last seven games. That'll get and it he's done. Hit, uh, at least two threes in five of those seven games. So now they've got you know legitimate offensive contribution. Hagens is driving and scoring again. I think he was four of six last game from the field. He was seven of nine today. So eleven out of fifteen shooting. Um, that's good enough. You know, offensively, that's good enough. So, to me, that's the biggest, and quickly is a more, much more recent development, but that's the biggest growth area for them by a mile, that all of a sudden they have a two-headed point guard again. And, and, and those guys can play together as well, um, but that they, they have guys at the guard position who are not, not only not liabilities anymore, but are, are assets and you know they may never play Duke again, but I, it's one of the reasons I think if they played him again tomorrow, it would be a totally different game. Don't yeah. don't know if they have the firepower to beat that team right now, but I, I do think it would be a much. It wouldn't be a thirty-six point blowout. Well, if you poke Zion in the eye, you got a shot. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll just I guess we'll we'll finish kind of wrapping with the guy uh, we we mentioned there coming back from an, an injury, uh, Kelton Johnson, uh, and how he played. Uh, you know, I, I thought he had a good game overall. Obviously, he was made available in post games. That means you're one of the top performers. Uh, he, he finishes with 15.6 of eight shooting. Uh, we kind of discussed how he hadn't been hitting shots. Uh, today, he did. He, he made a living kind of at that, that foul line jumper. He hit, I counted, at least two or three, right, uh, where he was just getting in the middle of the zone. And I mean, when you're kind of looking at it, in all honesty, he was the only guy that was kind of attacking the zone. Yeah, they didn't. Calipari said he, they played 40 minutes of zone, and with a team like this, young, growing team, it's very frustrating. He tried, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, PJ and Reed Travis end up with what what they have between them eight, eight total points, points, but 20 rebounds, 12 for Reed, eight for PJ, eight offensive boards between them, three block shots, and a steal between them. So, you know, a big credit to them for contributing in a game mm-hmm. where they couldn't get anything. They just couldn't get the ball, couldn't get any touches. Um, combined ten shots for the two of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the zone definitely frustrated them. And if it weren't for Emmanuel quickly hitting those threes against the zone, he was getting a lot of open looks because of it. Uh, you know, they're in trouble. They start out, we don't know. We even mentioned that they were down 16-4 to four we have to not start yet. the game. Uh, Calipari started his press conference by saying, we got to look at how we're starting games. This is getting ridiculous because they have had five bad yeah. – ha- started off with five bad halves now in a row, I guess he said. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we kind of – Mentioned uh, it last Yeah, mentioned yeah. it on our 100th episode. 
that if it happens it's a again, real thing, you got to start looking at the starting lineup. And I think you got to think about Emmanuel quickly over Hero. At this that's point. What, see, that's what I mean. I but guess then your you, your two options, and correct me if you you disagree, but I guess your two options are Richards for Travis, yes. or quickly for. And I, and I think Hero. both are not are not a bad idea, um, because you know Nick's giving them good minutes. He's giving them. Energy, defensive energy, blocked the holy hell out of a shot that didn't count because somebody fouled beforehand tonight. But it was kind of a what I saw in the replay on the video board was Keldon Johnson. He looked like he got ball, but you know really? it was close, so they ended up getting 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 him for the foul. So it was kind of like one of those double blocks yeah. where the guy like yeah. Keldon got a piece and, 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 and then Nick just Nick swatted it to half court volleyball spike. Yeah, two two points, one rebound, one steal. You know, in ten minutes officially, but I thought he had he gave him some good energy. He has continued to do that in pretty small doses. Um, I mean, hell, you started him every game last year when he wasn't giving you anything. I I don't know. I don't hate the idea of of that. At least at least it gives you some more length and athleticism. Where Reed mm-hmm. Travis in certain matchups, Reed Travis is getting kind of swallowed up by by length and athleticism. Yeah. Now, he did go in there and grab 12 rebounds today. Yeah, he had a good rebounding um, day. But a lot of those came in the second half. It was kind of a binge. Um, I tell you I what, don't I hate that idea, but I definitely think you gotta you got to think about quickly over Hero because yeah. I think he and Ashton are really good together. Well, uh, let's dive into that uh, in just a minute. But first, I do want to tell you guys more about – Buffalo Trace Distillery. Uh, that's a, they are the world's most award-winning distillery. You can see 200 years of bourbon making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels. Aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends like Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And most importantly, you can taste the award-winning spirits at, the, at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Taste Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours uh, seven days a week, year-round. Uh, you can check out all their different tours if you go and visit buffalotracedistillery.com, and you can get descrip- descriptions of all those different different places. You need to visit the world's bourbon destination. Uh, and we got, a, we got a code right now. We got a promo for you guys if you go to Buffalo Trace uh, Distillery. If you're in their um, gift shop, and you mentioned that you heard about them on Locked On Kentucky, you get 10% off any merchandise you buy. So go take a tour Buffalo Trace Distillery. It's complimentary. You get a free taste, so you're not spending any money there. Spend a little money in the gift shop, and then you save a little money by mentioning Locked On Kentucky. So go find out more information at buffalotracedistillery.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. What the heck's Tyler Hero's problem, Kyle? Like, I mean, uh, I mean, he only got three shots. Yeah, that's, that was the that was the thing that is kind of turned it over three times, made some bad passes. Oh, they were his. I'll give him this: when he makes a bad pass, he makes a he, bad. He really pass. goes all. I mean, he played thirty six minutes. That's an odd thing too. He didn't play great, and he played thirty six minutes. But I'll give him credit. I mean, he had four points on three shots. He had four points, six rebounds. That they gotta like getting that. Uh, three assists and a steal. I'm sorry, and a block. But with three turnovers, missed both his, both of his three pointers. Um, maybe he's an on again, uh, on on off guy. Yeah, uh, great game against Louisville. Average game against Alabama. Great game against uh, whoever the heck they played, Texas A and M, and a bad game tonight. Um, you know, he's just been back and forth. I mean, he's a freshman. That's kind of the freshman mo, I guess, uh, for most. Um, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. But um, the good news for Kentucky is that they do have options. I mean, I, I, Emmanuel quickly playing really well is, you know, and Jamal Baker looked like he was going to be that other guy. He went over three tonight in, like, short order. He came in there and gunning and <laughs> missed all three of his threes and only, ended up only playing seven minutes. Um, so – but they have options. You know, it quickly gives them a chance if, if Hero's having an off night to come in there and make shots. Without Emmanuel quickly, they are one for nine from three. Not wow. great. Keldon Johnson hit one. That's – yeah, that's – that doesn't sound like Calipari's best shooting team. No. <laughs> no, I still think he's probably right. But Well, let me I, – I think the best way – and I, I've been thinking on this for a minute because a lot of people have been critical of Calipari's comments when he talked about that. And I think he has the most guys that he feels comfortable taking threes out of any year, if that yeah, makes I sense. That, I think that probably makes but sense. But n- there's not been like games where all the guys that can shoot have shot well. Yeah. And so they haven't all clicked at the same time. Uh, maybe there's been a couple exceptions where multiple guys have been on, but uh, for the most part it's kind of been hit and miss depending on who is having a good uh, game uh, that evening. Um I mean, I guess that, that's kind of all the players. We'll mention the zone a little bit more because uh, I feel like – I guess you, you, you touched on it, Kyle, about how young teams just don't know how to deal with it. But it was – it made for a very boring game <laughs> overall. It was a slow pace. That's it was what Vanderbilt won. I mean, it was awful. 56-47. Vanderbilt scored 17 points in the second half. But further back than that, Kentucky got off to – they were down 16-4 to in five minutes. And from that point forward, you got to say this for Kentucky's defense, over the final 35 minutes of the game, they gave up 31 points. That's pretty good. And 11 of 40 shooting. Because, I mean, Vanderbilt came out and hit, what was it, five out of six threes to start the game? Seen, yeah. Finished seven for 25 from three. Um, so that'll do defensively. I mean, I think Vanderbilt not being good aided in that. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not good. But um, I mean, Simi Shitu I think is a good player, and he only finished with eight and five and had three turnovers. Um, I I I do think it's a little concerning. Continues to be that when they're not hitting threes or really getting out in transition, just a sort of a, a your everyday half-court offense is kind of a mess mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, and against the zone it, today, it was a, just a disaster. So, you know, they're going to have to figure that out. But I don't know. Like Calipari pointed out, I think, you know, it's a fair point. He reeled off all the teams that lost at home in the SEC today. Yeah. And he said, we didn't, so you'll take it. Right. I mean, they're 2-1 uh, and one in the league now. And uh, I don't know. I think. I feel like we have this same conversation after a lot of games so far this season. Yeah, I mean, hey, like, uh, they're just not, like, other than the Louisville and the North Carolina wins, which, which you know, who knows? Mention, I mean, you can mention that real quick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Louisville goes and beats Carolina by 20 on the road today, which to me, it's, like, weird. It's like a catch-22 because it, like, diminished. Like, Louisville has lost a couple here lately. To Pitt, which was a bad loss. Right. So they do that, and then they turn around and beat Carolina by 20 – at, in Chapel Hill, and it's like, well, you just dinged both your losses or both your best wins. And yeah. I tweeted, like, kind of jokingly, so does Kentucky have two good wins or no good wins? And uh, people are getting all pissed off about that. But 
I mean, you know, those aren't great wins anymore. Neither one of them is like a great win. They're both good, solid wins, and mm-hmm. I, I think they'll probably hold up. And Carolina's going to make the NCAA tournament. Louisville has got some good wins on his resume now. I mean, Seton Hall's a good win. Michigan State's a very good win. And now Carolina. Um, so I don't know what to make of Louisville either. They got a, a couple bad losses. The pit loss is bad. They got pretty well manhandled by Kentucky from start to finish. Um, but where were we going? Oh, just, I mean, oh, just, just the just fact that like line. most of the yeah. games they've played, with the exception of Duke on the extreme other end, and Carolina and, and Louisville on the positive end for Kentucky, mm-hmm. the rest of the games have been, like, pretty unremarkable. I mean, Seton Hall had an exciting finish. Um, but they played a whole bunch of these, not 56-47, yeah. but a whole bunch of these really sort of uninspiring uh, games. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know exactly yeah, what to make of it all. I guess you know, I, I understand some of the frustration. And I guess m- most of it stems from the fact that expectations were so high when you come off that Bahamas trip and those kind of things. And I don't, I don't think I say this, like if they had the same record and uh, you know, it would even with the same results, but they'd beaten A&M and Vandy by 20 each, you know, right. There would be a little bit more excitement. Like, okay, they're, they're coming around. Yeah. Because you like, people want to see you like play well against the good teams and beat the crap out of the bad mm-hmm. teams and frankly Vanderbilt and Texas A&M are bad teams in the league I mean yeah. A&M's sub 500 Vanderbilt is now 9 and 6 0 oh and 3 in the league they don't have their best yeah player, and the reason yeah you know, the reason Darius Vanderbilt Garland. the reason Vanderbilt's bad and we, and we touched on this on uh, Friday's podcast and, and Bryce Drew talked about it after the game is you know they built this team around Darius Garland Darius Garland get injured right. and they got to f- refine themselves during the season he said that you know they're 4-0 and they're chugging along and they have this whole whole thing set up for Garland to run the show and then he goes down and right. now you got to figure something else out yeah you know and I thought Saban Lee was a, was a threat to them this was dangerous I thought because he's a guard he you know he's no like a, he's not a bum mm-hmm. who stepped in for uh, for Garland, um, and he's a real aggressive guy who'll put his head down and drive to the basket and draw a bunch of fouls. He got, I think he drew five fouls today, but I think only one of them was on Ashton Higgins, um, and that was big because I thought if he if he just attacked and and got Ashton Higgins and maybe some other guys in foul trouble, especially Ashton Higgins, that could have been a real problem for them. But to, to Hagen's credit, I think he ends. What's he ends up? One personal foul in 33 minutes, yeah, and three steals. So, uh, and he made at one point made a guy just fall down. Guy who had the ball, like yeah. Hagen's made a move on him, and he just like fell down out of bounds. Yeah, he just, he just, We've seen some stuff like that happen. Guys just run out of bounds. <laughs> like I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Leave me alone, Ashton. Uh, Ashton Hagen's just running up and down the court saying, "He said his nuts, his nuts," <laughs> like a crazy person with and, wild eyes. And uh, as a as we go to this next break, we are crossing over midnight. So, yes, we are getting a little bit loopy. Um, <laughs> we will wrap with uh, – I hesitate to do it because it might get Kyle on a rant, but I feel like we need to spend some time on it. The the ha- hard hat debate that kind of took over social media before this game. We'll get into that and then share that football nugget uh, to wrap up this edition of the show. This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, Kyle, so – they set a record tonight, Guinness World Record. Kentucky uh, had the most people wearing hard hats in one spot. I don't even know what the number was, like around 10,000, I, I guess. Or however many fit line. in the lower bowl. Um, and uh, 
you just said the keyword lower bowl. Those were the only people that got, that got the helmets. Uh, some people were upset and said it was I don't know exactly what they classism, said. classism basically. Like okay. you're excluding the people in the cheap seats. Yes. Who you know, as the theory goes, may have actually worn a hard hat to, to their work every day. So uh, the irony of that versus the people in the lower bowl who, in theory, are the, the wealthier donors and yada, 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 yada. Kyle, I'll let you. You have a pretty good grasp on it. Why it went that way, how this right. whole thing went down. Now, let me first say, I, I'm not here to argue that, like, you can make some good arguments sometimes that Kentucky Athletics has prioritized perks for its you know higher end donors and like you know big one big con- i think the reason this is so much on people's minds is the the football stadium renovation largely catered to the to the higher end donors with suites and the and the club areas and that the common fan didn't feel like they saw a huge change but many common fans did get reseated did get uh, you know, away from maybe people they've been around for a lot of years or, or they got moved out of their great parking spot. And so they felt a little disenfranchised. And I think you can make some really valid, valid arguments there um, that some of that could have been handled better. Although, at the end of the day, fundamentally, you're going to give more perks to the people that, like, I mean, your program can't exist without your top-end donors. It can't exist without your others either, your cheap-seaters. But, like, your top-end donors get things built. So you mm-hmm. do want to cater to them, first of all. They're spending a lot of money. But, and, and so, but I can also I can empathize with the common fan over that idea. And then I think here even at Rupp Arena, as they're making some upgrades, you know, you, the common fan can't drink alcohol. True at the football games, too. But you can if you're in a luxury suite. And these new, these new add-ons to the basketball arena are going to have alcohol for the, for the rich donor and, and the common fan will still not be able to drink beer here. I get that. I think you can make a lot of arguments and I think people are sensitive to it because of those other arguments. Mm-hmm. But tonight this controversy of, you know, another example of UK uh, catering to the rich and, and pissing on the poor. Uh, it's just like, First of all, you're not poor if you're <laughs> if you're buying season tickets to Kentucky football basketball games. They're not cheap. But it wasn't about Kentucky at all, is the thing. It's a long-winded way to get to the point that this wasn't a Kentucky thing. The company who invented the hard hat is here in Kentucky. They're a huge donor for Kentucky Athletics. They're friends of John Calipari and friends of Mitch Barnhart. They they and they said we are they're celebrating their 100th anniversary of inventing the hard hat which by the way until tonight i had no idea the hard hat was invented in kentucky and now the 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 company's slipping my mind i want to bullard bullard uh so they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of creating the hard hat and they wanted to make a splash and do something like splashy to uh, to ring in this mm-hmm. centennial which was set a guinness book of world records record for, I guess, most people in one place wearing a hard hat. Was that what the record was? Yeah. So they spent a lot of money and bought enough hard hats to put out on every seat in the lower bowl, I believe, but none in the upper bowl. And people figure, well, that's just, again, that's UK pissing on the little guy. UK, one, had nothing to do with it. And two, Bullard wasn't pissing on the little guy either. They asked the Guinness Book of World Records people, how does this need to be certified? And they wanted people centrally seated together in one area. It's easier for they could put 
all their uh, official counters in locations to each have a section in the lower bowl. You know, one of the, the suggestions for why this could have helped, you could have been nicer to the little guy is just give away to the first 10,000 fans. Well, then they would have been sitting all over the place and you could have never counted it in a timely manner. You can't stop a basketball game for an hour and count this. They did it for in a five-minute period at halftime, and they had counters, pick sections. It was, a, it was the simplest way, the only feasible way in the middle of a basketball game to count this to make it an official record. The end. That's it. That's the whole story. Okay. Like, Bullard wanted to set a world record because it was their 100th anniversary of inventing the hard hat, and Guinness said, here's how you do it. Seat and them all together. We'll count and them. And Bullard is a... They're run, uh, they are UK donors and big fans of UK, so they thought, where is... Want to like do it at Rupp Arena? Yeah, yeah. Where, is, where are thousands of people located that we have access to? Rupp Arena. Yes. And, they, and they, Kentucky, I mean, to my understanding, Kentucky didn't have any input, say, or interaction in this process. They don't even control Rupp Arena. This is not Kentucky's building. That's a true... Like, they, didn't even, they weren't well. even the ones who let the Bullard people in the door to put the hats on the seats. Like... Rupp Arena is a city building. So I just I would say again, I sympathize with people who feel like that this, but this yeah. but this is not it. This, this, this is, is a totally separate issue. Yeah. This is not the hill to This die was on. not a Kentucky thing. UK Athletics did not screw you over if you're sitting in the upper deck. Yes. And neither did Bullard. I mean there you go. <laughs> it, be mad at the Guinness Book of World Records. There it is. For having some of the dumbest things in the world to be a record. It's their fault. <laughs> Look at that book. I mean, I, I think it's actually really fun, but take a look at that book sometime at some of the most unbelievable. My sister in high school, I believe it's probably been broken, but my sister in high school helped set the world record for paperclip chain. It was like a high school club thing, and they sat for freaking two days and hooked together paperclips to make like a that ten mile long chain of paperclips. That's a good use of school time. Uh, I believe UK actually sets the the students set the, like the world uh, the water balloon fight record. I think that's right. Every year, um, uh, they try to like redo it. Um, so yeah, they like set any world records with the dance thing. The dance like uh, no, because Penn State has like the longest one. Okay. Yeah, Penn State um, was originator of that. And if then, you have and then any, there was also a world record. We were here for the world record the, for like the loudest. Uh, loudest decibels, yeah. which was a t- I have a huge problem with because it was so generic and manufactured. It was hey, we're going to set the record. Everybody scream and watch the decibel meter until we get there. I think that record ought to be an organic, in-game recording. No, I think it should that's be. That's not. That's. I not. mean, in Kentucky could break that too. I mean, anyway, if you I have think any, when Anthony Davis blocked. Henson's shot in the North Carolina possible. game. That's probably your world but the Guinness, record. But the Guinness people weren't here. If you have any records that you want Kyle and I to try to break, tweet at Locked on UK. The football nugget that everybody's been enjoying and we failed to mention on the podcast last week, Cash Daniel is apparently on the bass fishing team for UK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't Two even know was a sport athlete. Move over, uh, Kyler Murray. <laughs> I can't wait to be writing the columns about should uh, – you know, all his life, uh, he thought he was going to play in the NFL or definitely the WWE, but now Cash Daniel has a choice to make. Will he accept Bass Pro Shop's $12 million <laughs> endorsement deal or Skull? <laughs> Victory dips. Yes. Victory dips. I, I, Cash Daniel is a phenomenal caricature. He is a character he- and caricature. And, uh, by the way, the... Uh, KY Wildcats TV, the UK in-house video team, they put out their, finally put out their kind of slick, final, uh, edited version of the, like, 
the bowl game highlights, and that was very well done. As really always. cool. And Cash Daniel, of course, has a starring role as the the Friday. Like, and he, I feel like he is just like a scene out of Friday Night Lights. Every time I see him, like die for your brother, Rah! and like I mean it. It works. It gets them all fired up. I always feel like a little tw- little twinge of like, I wish Let's I had go. some eligibility left. Let's do it. As if I ever played any organized football. But no, you didn't. You didn't play no ball. I was a hooper, man. Made it all the way to sophomore year of high school. There you go. Uh, all right, that'll do it for this edition of the show. Uh, as I already mentioned, the Twitter handle. Fi- find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. Thanks again to Buffalo Trace Distillery. Visit their website, Buffalo Trace Distillery, to get some buffalotracedistillery.com to get more information on all of their tours um, and follow along with me on Twitter at Curtis Birch B-U-R-C-H you'll find all the post-game interviews that I did there you can follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H read all his work on The Athletic thank you so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Kentucky stay tuned we will have that Ashton Hagen's audio that describes Keldon Johnson's injury coming up next Johnson injury. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. When a teammate gets uh, the type of injury that Keldon got there, uh, does everyone sort of groan with him in sympathy? Uh, uh, Keldon, you know, when he went down, he was just like, man, it was like my nuts. <laughs> you know Keldon, he a funny guy, so just, like, we knew he was good after he said that, so he was good. <laughs> is you is sure? sure about that? That yeah. sounds like a serious injury. That's what injury. he said. I mean, like, he was laughing. He was having my nuts. I'm going to uncross my legs now. All right. Thank you.